This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Hiller Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is The Clay Young Show. How goes it? Welcome to episode 199 of The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com and on the Apple Podcast app. Doing good? Hope so. Got a long discussion ahead of us today. We're going to talk with two of the newest, really, the two new members of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. These young men have caused quite a stir in their brief time on the board. And in their less than five months serving as elected officials, they have seen a couple of controversial items come across the agenda. And I don't think many people know much about them. Of course, I'm talking about Darius Lannis, who represents District 2 in East Baton Rouge Parish, and Tramel Howard, who represents District 3. Not many people know much about them. Uh, I, I met them both last year during the election cycle, and I thought, you know, I want to bring these guys in, give them a chance to talk about their philosophy. They're both very young men, and they have both worked in education a little while. They both have law degrees from Southern University, and I think that their perspective on how they view their jobs is is an important one to get. And and what I mean by that is I think people need to hear where they're coming from. You may agree with them. You may disagree with them, but I do think you need to hear them out. The school system here is much like school systems across the country. Many of them are largely poor and largely minority. And I think that um, the perspective that these young men have about how they view their job is important. So We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk with them and get into everything from the way the system is funded to issues of race. We'll do that next. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. 
doing? Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Tramel Howard and Darius Lannis, uh, District 3 and 2, respectively, on the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. They are the new blood shaking things up in East Baton Rouge Parish, and actually... We were, Tramel and I were sitting here talking about a number of things before we, we came into the studio. And Darius and I saw each other, I guess, about a month ago. Yes, sir. Uh, someplace here in town. And we kind of <laughs> talked about getting together. You know, I said a lot of nice things to you that night, man. You told me a lot of great things. But And I meant, I meant what I said. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and don't worry about what we said. It's nobody else's business. So uh, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, being on the school board, you guys are drawing a lot of inches uh, and seconds in media here because of the way that y'all have gone about doing your business. My first question is, why did y'all want to be on the school board? Uh, I think it's a really Pull that mic a little closer. To I'm you. sorry. I think it's a that's a really uh, good question for me. Uh, it, it meant a lot to me to come back to my district, uh, not just my district, but also just to represent the community that I came from. Um, I didn't come from the humblest of beginnings, uh, which is why I'm fighting so hard for students that are coming from uh, similar situations and backgrounds and circumstances because they don't have anyone to, to voice, to be the voice for them. They don't have anybody that can tell their story from the way that they see it, from their lens. And being that I come from the same neighborhood, the same community, that's what I can provide to, for them. Uh, knowing that I have the wherewithal, knowing that I have the educational background, but also uh, the professional background, I can be a voice not only for my community, but I can shed light on something in a way that has never been done before. And that's the way I've always seen it. Um, and and that me, was Darius, by the way. Yes. This is Tramel. <laughs> yes. And so for me, um, first of all, being a politician was not on my 5, 10, or 15-year plan. Sure. Um, so sure. this was nowhere in the um, the plan for me. But at, at the time, I saw a need. Um, there was no African-American male representation um, on the school board in a district that graduates right at 50% of African-American males. So it was for me, it was like, why not me? Um, I come from this district. I come from this community. I've benefited from our public school system. Um, so I really felt like that representation was needed on the board. Um, I went to an African-American political leadership conference in D.C. and there was a bunch of young millennials talking about what we can do to make a, a positive change within our community. And so one of the things was running for office. And so I came back, um, researched how and to run for school board, uh, reached out to some people who I cared about. Um, and so here I am um, four months later. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I will, for context purposes, make reference to this. One of the one of the things that I talked about with Darius was the first time that, well, actually the second time I spoke with you was at a meeting of people, uh, a group, a business group here in mm-hmm. town, and just the, the way that you you came in and, and your energy and the way you comported yourself, mm-hmm. it was positive. Tramel came in with lit torches, swinging them <laughs> around the room, and he was he was on he was on level twenty mm-hmm. of a ten level uh, meter there. But and and we kind of talked about that. 
And so we, we've talked about a great number of things in the lobby before we walked into here. And so the, the biggest thing, first up, is stylistically, you guys are going to do it differently because mm-hmm. you're younger and your, your approach to politics and communication is different. And, and doing it younger is going to draw you a lot of praise and a lot of criticism. So okay. I want to talk about both. I want to start with the positive mm-hmm. and the praise that you've gotten. What praise have you gotten from people because of your approach? Some of the big issues that we've seen recently have been the ITEP, mm-hmm. uh, this tax program. <laughs> and we were talking about that in the lobby before we came in here. And then most recently, the superintendent's plan mm-hmm. to do some trimming to the district's budget by either removing positions by way of not filling positions that are sitting open Mm -hmm. or maybe even the termination of some people in the district. So those are a couple of the big things, but overall, what are some of the positive feedback that you, that you, you gentlemen have gotten? Um, So for me, I think that the reason that I ran was for, for the students that I serve. And so the biggest, um, praise I think I would have to say is that, um, during black history month, this particular school year, um, there were so many kids who actually portrayed Darius and I mm-hmm. in their black history programs. And so when you see that, like, I mean, I remember as a student, like looking at programs where it was like they were honoring like Martin Luther King and then more recently Barack Obama. So to be in a school play as someone actually portraying you, I mean, it just was one of the most touching things um, in, in City Year. I work for City Year Baton Rouge, but one of the things that we have is the story of a starfish. And so the starfish is really that kid who just really keeps you going every day. It's your why. It's your why you get up and do what you do. Um, and so one of the schools I visited, my starfish actually portrayed me. Um, he wore the same suit that I wore on inauguration day. It was just it was just so touching. So that praise keeps me going every day. Um, I, I really think that I, I represent my community um, in a holistic approach. Um, I told my campaign manager at the beginning, if I can't win in being authentic to who Tramell is, I don't want to run at all. And so that praise is literally what keeps me going. Um, the students are inspired by our story. Um, we had the opportunity to go to Memphis a couple of weeks ago to just tell our story um, and t- talk about why and to talk about you know why we decided to give of ourselves to be into this, this predicament. And then even the story of Darius and I together, we went to middle school together, ended up going to law school together. I graduated a year before him. We're fraternity brothers. So just our parallel stories together of on the same mission to do the same thing has really kept us going. Um, and I don't know if I could do it without him. He probably he probably could do it without me, but I don't know if I could do it without him. Um, it's it's been a uh, it's, let's not get started on that one right there, right? But yeah, so it's been a, it's been a real a real joy and um and, and it keeps me going. Um, that praise from students and the community alike keeps me going. Um, in this work, I say for me, uh, it's just opening the doors for true transparency and accountability that ha- that we've never seen happen within our school district uh, before. Um, first, I think I want to start off with saying that we were the. This is the first time in our history we had the two youngest school board members, Tremel being the youngest. The youngest. Um, uh, for myself, uh, we being the the first time we've ever had two African American males sit on the school board simultaneously at the same time. I mean, it's just a lot of groundbreaking things that you can say. Okay, that's just praise and praise within itself. But mm-hmm. praise from the community comes from that transparency and that accountability piece. Uh, if you go into ITEP, uh, ITEP was a very, very, uh, it was a sticky situation that we were in. No, we're going to get to there. Okay, don't, okay, don't okay. That's, we're not going to jump the gun just yet. I got yet. the wheel, young okay. fella, okay? <laughs> All right. So, so, and and I want to I stay on the positive a little bit more. Okay. Specifically, Tramel made reference to the kids. What about you? Any experiences with, with students or other young people? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I can't tell you how many uh, students reach out to us, with myself, all the time 
just through social media, uh, when they see me uh, out and about. I could give you one story right now. I was getting me, a, uh, I was getting a new iPhone. I was mm-hmm. at the Apple store and out of the blue, these two smiley face kids run up to me and their mom says, oh my goodness, can I please take a picture with you and my sons? They were just driving me crazy when they walked through the door and saw you and they said, that's him. He's the one that won in the district. Yes, he finally won. He beat the lady. And I was like, wow. That, to me, it touched me so much. I just had to tell them, no, I want to take a picture with you guys. Okay. I want you to know that I'm someone that you can always reach out to, somebody you can touch. And that's something that resonated with me back from when President Barack Obama was in office. He said, we have to be the ones, the stewards that are out doing the mission, uh, completing the mission and also doing the work, but also letting the people know that I'm somebody that you can touch, that you can reach out to. I'm not somebody that's sitting behind doors or walls where you can't find me. And that's always just been my my, my drive and my passion is to always stay focused inside of the community. That's why I, just even back on the, the campaign trail, I said that I didn't even want to accept any of the money that's coming from our school system. I want to do things that we've never seen done before in my community, like create you did scholarships. Say that, didn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna roll it out. We just been saving it. We got a big check coming. We just, it's on the wraps right now, but we have a lot of great things that we're trying to get ready to do uh, within the community. And then obviously there's two sides to that coin, criticisms. Mm-hmm. What criticisms have you heard? What? And I don't wanna talk about what people are saying in the media. I wanna talk about things that, that have been said to you because of your approach and then you being in. And take the politics out of it. In elections, somebody's gotta win, somebody's gotta lose. Right. So I'm not talking about the, the people you beat in the elections, that's just, that's just business. Politics, mm-hmm. as the sheriff once said, is a full contact sport. Right. But since you've been in there, things have, that people have said to you. Um, I think one of the um, one of the most unfortunate, I guess, criticisms of us. Um, we were at a conference. I won't name the conference, but we were at a right. conference together, um, and we were sitting inside of a room. And you know the conversation was going on, um, and people were talking about the different things and their different ideas about what they believe is going to help our kids grow and and you know become more successful. And one of the comments from the leader of this particular group was like, well, yeah, you know, there's certain school board members in East Baton Rouge Parish that are bought. They were bought out. They spend all of this money in their campaigns and, and they don't really have a true mission of, of, of serving kids. And so Darius and I were sitting in a room together. And so we looked at each other. It was like, they talking about us. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like those kind of criticism coming from people who haven't even got the opportunity to know us, to talk to us, to speak with us. I mean, in, in this game of, of politics or whatever you want to call it, you're not going to always agree with people. Um, and Darius and I, as clo- people box us together all the time, but we share different opinions. Mm-hmm. Like we call each other after board meetings and be like, now Darius, now what you was talking about? Like what, what was this? Mm-hmm. So we we have those battles with amongst ourselves and we're really good friends. But like people who make criticisms of us without getting the opportunity to know us, um, that's very unfortunate. And then the second criticisms that I would kind of um, talk about is that we are uh, we are coming into a situation where there are a lot of things that predates us, um, and a lot of people expect like instant change. And um, some of this, excuse me, instant change. And like some of this change that we would like to see in our community, it's not going to be one election cycle. It's not going to be two election cycles. It may not even be three election cycles. But a part of, I think, my mission is to lay foundational groundwork for what could happen and be very strategic about the things that I'm able to get accomplished within a four year time. Because as a teacher, you know, it takes three to five years just to turn around and improve a school. Mm -hmm. So as a board member, that same kind of of grace is needed. But so many people think that because we're elected, um, that things are supposed to change like tomorrow. And unfortunately, that's not the case. And on a board of our size, it takes five votes to get anything accomplished. So um, I think those are the top two criticisms that are kind of like 
hit me the hardest um, in this in this short time. But that would be what uh, I think about the criticisms. Man, I say for myself, uh, of course, you're gonna hear things like ageism. You know. Oh, they're too young. They're not experienced enough to do this type of work. But the things that people don't know about us is that one, we are lawyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I have a master's in education. Been teaching in uh, for the last six years, so I have the classroom experience, and I also have the background to justify me doing the work that I do. So that type of stuff, you know, I just box it out and put it in the back of my head and just keep grinding and doing the work. Because when you go out into the community, those are the people that matter. The people that cast that vote, the people that depend on us, those students that are inside of those classrooms, those teachers that have been underpaid for far too long, those are the people that matter to me. So every time I work, and I I put that picture in my head, as a teacher inside of that classroom trying to uh, drive instruction to this student to make sure that they have a better tomorrow and a brighter future. Uh, but um, I mean, again, there's, there's several different criticisms that comes comes along with the work because you can't please everybody when you're an elected official. That's the first thing that you realize is that uh, when you go with something on one side, the other side is going to be just as loud saying, oh, what about us? Uh, and the idea is that, uh, again, we come back to that transparency and accountability. If you're transparent and the people know what you're talking about, what's happening, you're communicating with them. At the end of the day, that's what they want to see. What's your working relationship with your colleagues? Ooh, uh, I would say I think we're in a better place than we were before we became before we got on our school board. I think that I was why school is that? Board, uh, because they didn't know you. Not that they didn't know us. I would say that before everybody pretty much worked in silos. Everybody <laughs> worked amongst each other to try to push whatever it is they wanted to get done. And when you do it that way, uh, whoever's on the uh, whoever's on the side with the uh, with less amount of votes, you really can't get anything done that way. So you have to try to find uh, reasonable, while being uh, reasonable solutions to try to work across the board and align with people that have same the same ideas. Now you're not going to vote with each other on every single thing or every single issue. Right. Now, but when you do have those big hot button issues, those are the things that you want to make sure that you are aligned on, like a superintendent search, uh, teacher Which pay you're about raises. To have. Yes, and that's something yeah. that's currently coming up right now. Yeah. Charter framework. Uh, when yeah. you talk about charter schools, because that's been one of the hot topic issues that we've right. seen in the past. So, Jamel and I were talking about that a, a little bit ago. Yeah, but that's what the, those are the types of things that you have to make sure that you are aligned on, while at the same time making sure your community's voice is heard too. Um, so and uh, I think with the colleagues, I think first of all, like it took some adjustment time. Um, mm-hmm. it, we're new board members. Um, there were colleagues who um, were serving on boards with other people for quite some time, and so you were the only new board members coming in. Yeah, Darius yes. and I were the only yeah. um, new board members coming in. So I mean, those some of those people have been working together for years. So it mm-hmm. takes some time. And I and honestly, I believe that we're still in adjustment um, period mm-hmm. in time just to understand working styles to understand people's interests to mm-hmm. understand um, what people bring to the board and like how we can come together as a collective board to get the work done um, I think that Darius and I are we're fresh we're new and we have new ways of appro- approaching mm-hmm. this political game and so sometimes that's not received well sometimes people box us into um, people who lack the the knowledge to really do the work um, but like I said like it's it's our job to just be who we are um, it's my job to bring what I can to the table as it relates to issues as it relates to decisions that are being made and it's also my job to be the voice of my community I was elected by a group of people to serve this entire district um, and so I have to be that voice for them um, I think a lot of times in elected office people forget about the people and I'm in the business of people so I'm, I'm always going to be a voice for my community um, and sometimes people may not receive it the right way 
but it's my job to kind of to work and navigate and bridging the gap between community and the board. So I think that we can get better. Um, I think that there's a lot of work to do, but I, like I said, I think right now we're going through a learning curve and growing pains. Mm-hmm. Is there work to improve the relationship? Is 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 there an active effort to have some camaraderie or at least from professional camaraderie among y'all as bud, uh, board members? I would say for some Truth. of us it is. No, no, no. For as, some of as, us no, it no, is. No, 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 no. As a group, does that exist? Not right now, no. And why is that? Um, I think it's kind of it goes back to what Tramiel was just saying that you know right now we're going through our, our learning pains. Everybody's trying to figure each other out. Um, I think for us more or less, uh, we don't really do well with uh, complacentness or stagnation because that's what we've seen happen in the past. Sure. You know, you have to also understand that we came from the community, mm-hmm. uh, not just our own. District 3 and District 2 communities, but the community as a whole in East Baton Rouge Parish, we are direct products of the school system. Mm-hmm. So when we come in, we come with a voice of saying, this is how it's been done when we were in school. Right. There's no way, uh, what, 10 years later, it's still being done the same way. But that, that's So that, that'll have me kind of chase that, because that's a good point. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. specifically. Um, we were talking earlier about some of the things that happened in the district, mm-hmm. when you reference things that you saw mm-hmm. that happened when you were in school mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily positive, mm-hmm. you know, most of most anybody who knows about Southern University, one of the first things you said about Southern was mm-hmm. the admissions process and going through mm-hmm. classes and the whole thing right. and for decades. That <laughs> right. was like the that was the headache you mm-hmm. knew you had. Mm-hmm. And public school here, if you were going to list. And each of you may have different lists. The top five things that you say, I saw this when I was a freshman all the way through being a senior in high school that as a board member, I still see kids dealing with now. What would those things be? I would say lack of uh, wraparound services. Uh, and yeah, I, you have to explain that because most of the public, they're not in the weeds on these details. I so what, will. what does that mean? So that means that you're providing services that service the whole child, not just the child himself or herself, but the family. You're giving them uh, resources. You're giving them training mechanisms to show them how they can be uh, more involved on the school setting while mm-hmm. also being not while also not being on the school setting. Sure. Uh, that's supposed to be something that tracks this child from the time they are a part of our system to the time they are no longer part of our system. Mm-hmm. That hasn't happened with Fidelity. I was an at-risk student when I I was in school, so I can speak to this directly. Several of my friends were at-risk students, and I saw how they fell apart throughout the uh, the educational pipeline throughout East Baton Rouge Parish. A lot of them are now in jail. Some of them are actually dead. I am someone that was that anomaly because I actually valued education. Not to say they didn't, but I actually had people that were there that could help me and give me the resources that I need to keep me on the right track at that time. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have those people, I would probably be in the same situation that they were in. So that's why I come in with such a strong mindset to say we can't keep doing it the way we did it then. Because if it was bad then, it's twice as bad now because we're not even dealing with the same level of students that we dealt with 10 sure. years ago. Sure. Is that the only thing? Um, but there's several other things. Uh, I would say uh, the way that we communicate, not only with the community, but with the, our own employees. A lot of the information that comes out, and you talk to several employees throughout our school system, they'll say they didn't know anything about that. And that give, goes, me, give me give me an example. Um, so, for instance, um, um, to to t- jump in on Darius's point. Um, there were this whole transition plan. Um, so we, as mo- most people may know, we're getting ready to close and consolidate some of our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the people on the ground are the people who are responsible for um, education on our day-to-day basis, and they actually have the direct impact of touching our kids. 
some of those staff members didn't even know what was happening next when it comes to like the school is literally we know the school is closing but that's all we know mm-hmm. and so like i think those are the type of things that like have been the same um but one of the things that i want to kind of touch on that like that remain the same is my experience so i went to questwork elementary mm-hmm. um and so questwork elementary was just a traditional attendance zone school um and we 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 lacked a lot of resources like we lacked resources as it relates to um textbooks we lack resources as it relates to like quality programming a lot of the things that we saw happen in our school was because at that time our community came together to galvanize and and parents were in the school like every day it was like an open door policy so parents kind of helped educate us um with some of those missing resources but then i left there and went to struma middle which was a magnet school and it was a different atmosphere and so right now how how how? so we had i mean the the best of the best instructors we had people coming from all over the parish and district to come to our school and so um we had programming we had beta clubs we had every type of thing that you can think of in the magnet environment and so i think that in our school system now to this day we've created a hierarchy of systems where unfortunately if you're at the magnet schools you're getting the top tier in everything the top tier in instruction top tier in curriculum top tier in programming top tier in staffing Mm -hmm. i mean not to even pin a light on like lee high school but the experience at lee high school is quite different from the experience at a at a non-magnet school in east baton Rouge parish i mean what way so those kids for example the facility is i mean it's those better kids than at which school uh lee high school yeah. so i mean those kids at lee i mean they're literally going to a junior college i mean from the the options they have when it comes to snacking the way they have lunch mm-hmm. um it's just it's an amazing thing to see and i mean I, it's something to be proud of for the district but it, it's not really something that's equitable across the district right. and so those are um some of the things that i think were the same back then and are still are the same and i think so i could just test i'm sorry just to touch back on something that Tramel said because he brought up a stream of middle this is a school that we both attended uh and i attended glen oaks middle school as well so that was a huge difference uh one was the rigor the way that you challenge that magnet schools, especially a higher performing magnet schools, is totally one? different. Uh, at Astruma uh, okay. Middle School at the time, okay, uh, it was the it, it was the most diverse middle school, and was also a blue ribbon middle school at that time. Right, I want to say uh, the the population was so diverse, but mm-hmm. it gave it gave you such a worldly understanding of how uh, the world really is mm-hmm. when you go to schools like. Glen Oaks Middle School, however, it was totally different. And, I only and, saw people that looked like me. I only okay. saw people that came from communities just like mine, meaning poor, disadvantaged communities. But the quality wasn't the same. Oh, no, 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 no. no. How much of a drop off? Uh, I would say it was a huge drop off. It was, I had no challenge when I went to Glen Oaks Middle School. So it's like I didn't have to do homework. When I did class, I didn't have to really try as hard. But when I was at a Struma uh, Middle School, where I made all A's, you had to be on top of your A game because every single student was always competing. And uh, the feeder school for a Struma Middle School at that time was Baton Rouge High School. So it was a direct feeder for okay. Baton Rouge High School because that's how they prepared us. In Scotlandville because it was yes. like a, it was more of a, um, um, almost like, it wasn't dedicated, but it was mm-hmm. more of a dedicated magnet field. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people left from our school at a Struma Middle mm-hmm. And went to Scotlandville yeah. or um, Baton Rouge High. At the time, Lee was not a magnet school, so that was not an um, an option. Right, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought up Lee because people don't understand. Before Lee High School shut down, it was an academically unacceptable school. It was a failing school. Mm-hmm. So that showed us that the district knew 
how to target a school. They knew what that school needed in terms of resources and how to turn the school around. When they reopened this school to the tune of $54.4 million, which is the second largest school investment we've ever had in East Baton Rouge Parish School Board history, our school district history, um, the school turned around immediately. The school is now an A school. It is now a... Uh, uh, is now a uh, designated magnet school now, so it's on the same level as Baton Rouge High School, and they are thriving like never before. So the question here is, again, when you speak to equity, why are we not doing the same thing all across the board when we can? Well, let's talk about that, because again, perspective matters, and you guys have perspective that the average person doesn't have because you have numbers and access to how things work that someone listening may not have. We were talking about this earlier. The school system has nearly a half a billion dollar mm -hmm. annual budget, and close to three quarters of a billion dollars when you add in the federal money. And that money goes to a, to a great number of areas in the district, mm -hmm. not only salar salaries and facilities and resources, but the formula is, is based upon the number of kids in the district, and it's a whole complicated thing. You can pick two schools in two different parts of town, specifically impoverished areas of town, and many of the issues are going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Maybe not every issue, but the issues are going to be the same. Mm -hmm. If I know that, I'm a business guy. Mm -hmm. If I know that, if I've got a spreadsheet that shows me these areas that require a similar kind of attention, then that means that they require a similar kind of investment mm -hmm. to get to whatever the optimum expected end is. Why is it school districts don't do that? That's a really good question. <laughs> it's they, a great they, question. Y'all are on the board. <laughs> Uh, one, I think it. Comes no, 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 no. That's not what we do here. We call it like it is. So, <laughs> okay. so because because what here's the reason I'm asking is 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 that the public will get a report on something that happens mm -hmm. in a school, and context always matters, mm -hmm. and not and it's not even about throwing anybody under the bus or playing any of those silly mm -hmm. kitty games. I mean, that that really was a sincere, serious question. Mm -hmm. You walk into these districts, and we can pick a certain set of qualifiers that will go with kids who live in poorer mm -hmm. communities. They often don't have meals at mm -hmm. the house. They often don't have parental involvement. Transportation is an issue. Extracurricular guidance and activities are issues mm -hmm. violence around them mm -hmm. I mean I've been in this town in the trenches for a long time and y'all know it so I you know I'll ask again if you know that going in and you can't fix it you said it that was you can't fix it overnight Tramel, you said it earlier but if you know that why aren't you addressing these things? Well, the thing is, and I will just be very frank with this, is it's not a priority to everybody. Everybody is not concerned with everybody in this community. And so what you find is that when things are not your priority, you act like they don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so we see a lot of things happening and people are aware. But to them, just acting like it doesn't exist mm -hmm. is but the But do way people really know? Yes, I think absolutely. Do. I and believe that they see it. Um, we've brought like light to pull, it. You just pull it to you. Um, we've, we've had discussions about it. So, yes, people know. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, if something is not your priority, you're not going to even address it or deal with it. Your way of, of dealing with it is just to act like it doesn't exist. And I think we see it every single day. And when you just compare schools and, and what's happening inside of schools and what, what one principal at this school is complaining about is not the same thing that a principal at this school is complaining mm -hmm. about. Prime example, in the initial plan to make budget cuts within this district, we were presented a plan that cut 8% at every single school. Including low-performing schools. Including low-performing schools, or priority schools, as I like to call oh, yes. them. 8% um, at Baton Rouge High is not the same 8% at Skylandville, no yes. matter which way you slice That's it. That's fair. And so... 
it's because it's not a priority. So mm-hmm. they feel like if I take $5 from you and take $5 from you, we're even, but that's not equitable. Man, but that's- even when you put a plan together, though, because you talked about the innovation school network. Now, the thing is, it's not saying that it can't work, but how do you expect something to work when you're still taking things away from it? If the school needs resources, but you're taking resources away from them, how does that work? So how do we, so how do you get to a place with, with so specifically that was a part of it it was an a, across the district cut at at eight percent in the initial plan you said the initial plan has that changed well the initial plan changed but when we get later on into this discussion i think we'll probably talk about the right. riffs sure there was no strategy around what a riff looked like so mm-hmm. it very well still could be eight percent eight percent but the riff is one part or aspect of it but the actual budget for these particular schools is a totally different discussion jump into so, that then so we're in context of that budget but the budget differences so the budget has not been presented to the board yet so about that the, is about the individual schools? about the individual schools or what actual cuts look like because the the RIF is just an initial thing that's mandated by law that states that, okay, if we have to, so it's an if thing, if we have to make cuts, we are saying that we're going to approve a reduction in force for what we call layoffs. Mm-hmm. And so then the budget is presented um, after that, and that could be, layoffs could be a part of the budget. But it's not the actual like, oh, we taking five thousand dollars from this school, seven thousand dollars from this school. This school has to cut this program that has not been presented to the so board. You're still yet. waiting on that. We're still waiting on that. And there's still some budget committee meetings that are happening around um, presenting a transparent budget to this particular school system. Cato Parish recently presented to the public and a three pronged millage. Okay, and and it, it's addressing, if I'm remembering it correctly, the bus fleet. That's an aging bus fleet, and needing to do something about that to revamp these these older buses that are gonna have to they're gonna fall out of compliance mm-hmm. because the buses have um, they have an expiration date on them. Mm-hmm. And then there was security at the schools that was some technology and some infrastructure in terms of entrance, exit, and, and, and things of that nature. And the other was heating and air at schools across the district. Those were the three parts of it. This It didn't really go into salaries because you have a great number of old buildings. Caddo Parish's school system is very, very similar to EBR. I do work up there, and and it's very, very similar. And they're right next to Bossier Parish, which is a mostly affluent parish, and we've got Ascension Parish right next to us. And Livingston's been a little different since the flood. And one of the things that they're doing with that tax is they are addressing things that you can't, you have to address these. Mm-hmm. And I went that long way to say that in saying that we have older buildings here and older infrastructure here and, and things in the building. So at a newer school, the amount of money that it takes to heat and or cool and run that school is going to be different than one of these older buildings that they mm-hmm. just got the asbestos out of this morning. Mm-hmm. And then the people in the building, is that an aspect of the budget addressing the money spent on that too because i i want to get to the people too but i want to ask y'all about the infrastructure because that's an important thing is that is that a part of this uh no not not a part of the initial budget conversation right now we're just trying to deal with uh how do we uh address the deficit the deficit deficit. while also seeing where we can make possible cuts where it won't cause too much of a headache for us um Anything that deals with infrastructure, that's actually in a, uh, a capital improvement plan. Okay. And that's a totally different sure. uh, account. 
okay. where monies would come from to go towards that. But that's a that's still a really good point. But um, just to, uh, on that same point, um, with the tax plan that was recently passed, sure. um, pre, that predates us. Mm-hmm. One of the propositions dealt with facilities, facilities. as a whole, because that's going to so, be a big thing at some point. Because mm-hmm. these facilities are getting older, and mm-hmm. we have old buses on the fleet on the road mm-hmm. in EBR as well while we're talking about that let's go back to what you were saying talking about equity with the school district we have a school district that is a majority african american school district mm-hmm. with a with a large number of the children who are the constituency of the district in poor communities mm-hmm. right that's just the truth and i would like to know from y'all what is the discussion because Darius alluded to it earlier about some of the the services wraparound services that go along with it what are what are your concerns about how the budget cuts, uh, uh, how they will impact uh, these children? For me, um, it, it's it's really disheartening because what what I've seen in Baton Rouge, growing up in Baton Rouge, is the have continue the haves continue to have, and the have nots continue to have less. And so, anytime we're talking about across the district board. Those schools who are suffering the most are the ki- the schools and the kids that are going to continue to suffer, um, and I think that it's unfortunate that, like I said earlier, that sometimes this is not even a priority to certain people. We were elected as board members by a certain district, mm-hmm. but we serve all kids within their district. So here, here's what I hear when you say that, and let me start by saying I agree that that is a truth. What I hear when you say that are districts that are represented by, uh, districts that have representatives on the board are fighting and winning for the kids in their district, mm-hmm. just like they were elected to do, just like you were elected to do. They're doing their job. You are fighting for kids in your respective districts the same way and you are not having the same success. So I don't blame them for fighting for kids mm-hmm. in their district constituency. I just don't. That's the way that works. They got elected to do a job. Here is where I would like as an individual here to see this come is that you do have to address the parts of the district that are in a tougher situation and that require more of an investment because of atmospheric circumstances that the children have no control mm-hmm. over. Are those conversations like for and and, and let me because I I look at him. He's on the edge of his chair. So if I'm saying if you're saying somebody, uh, let's say um, just let's say Dyson over in 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 the southeastern part of Baton Rouge, it's about to become St. George. okay? and her fighting for kids in her district and you in District three saying my kids are just as important. I want resources for my kids just like you want resources for your kids. Your kids may not have some. And I'm just using I'm not. I'm not blaming Jill for anything. She's just an example of two diametrically opposed districts in terms of their realities, if that makes sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, and both of you are saying, I want I want kids in my district to get the same level of service and I want them to have the same opportunity to win through our schools. How do we get to a place? Because there's gotta be compromise. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, the fair compromise is there has to be a little bit more out of the bowl coming to you because you have kids who need more. Mm. How do we get to a place where we can accomplish that, where it just doesn't become a screaming match or some racial foolishness when the children are the ones who lose at the end of the day? Mm. How can we do that? Let's be grownups, how, how can we do that? Well, I think Is that a fair question? It is, I think it's multifaceted. I think okay. one, you start with uh, 
uh, eliminating this hierarchy of students. So the way that we Ex explain the way that we allocate resources in East Baton Rouge Parish, and the way we have historically allocated resources and provided those resources to certain schools is uh, it goes by the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Magnus students at the top, exceptional traditional students come next, then traditional students, then you have your uh, charter school students, and then you have your uh, alternative school students. If you go to any of the schools within our school district and you see how these schools look, who's actually inside of those classrooms, who has the uh, more uh, highly effective teachers and school leaders, you're gonna always see them at our higher performing magnet schools. Now, I want you to also go look at those alternative schools. Look at the facilities. Look who's inside of those buildings. Look who's inside Define of those classrooms. alternative school. Just like we want to make sure everybody's in the room with us. When so you, when you say alternative, school. Um, alternative schools would be something like the superintendents' academies. Okay. Uh, it'll be schools that are designed for uh, to have smaller school settings for students that have uh, exceptionalities that uh, may not put them inside of a regular school setting like okay. uh, let's say a capital middle okay. or a capital elementary school uh, because they just don't fit into that particular setting. Sure. Uh, if you go to those alternative school settings, what you'll find is it's totally different. It's like walking into an entirely different world and it shouldn't be that way. I think um, across the I agree with you. Across the board, the problem is is that Again, we talked about silos. Certain people are trying to get certain things for their own particular district to make themselves look Everybody good. Everybody does that, right. though. But this is, this is the thing for sure. me. Yeah. It doesn't matter in my district, because mm -hmm. if I had a high-performing school in my district and somebody in another district had a low-performing school, I would fight just as hard gotcha. for that district to gotcha. make sure they're getting gotcha. what they need. Because gotcha. guess what? At the end of the day, it's about the student. Gotcha. It isn't about the district. It isn't about the, the school yeah. board member. It is about those students, because they are the ones that we need to succeed at the gotcha. end of the day. And gotcha. so, and I think that goes into my point where I say that yes, we were elected by a particular constituency mm -hmm. in our particular district, but you were elected to serve all students. But people and so, don't often think that way in politics. I know they don't. I, mean, I, but, I believe you believe that, mm -hmm. and I, so I believe you being sincere. But I don't know that. And I'm just being honest. I don't think everybody who's in I've known a lot of electors they mm -hmm. don't really feel that way. Well, and I, I know they don't feel that way, and that and I think that that's part of the problem. And I think that because there has been such a isolation of particular groups of students we forget about the kids who need us the most mm -hmm. if you drive a 2019 Ferrari mm -hmm. and you have a 2000 Toyota Corolla as well like you're going to take your 2000 Toyota Corolla to the dealership a little more to get more oil changes to get more tire rotations mm -hmm. to get more body part fixings so if everybody in the district kind of just looked at or everybody on the board kind of looked at it as as those two cars, we would spend more time and more attention on those schools who need us the most. Because right now, those schools who need us the most are just not on a level playing field. And so whether they affect your particular constituency or not, there's kids within this district. And you were elected to the school board to serve students because that's who are inside of schools. If every parent just was like, you know what, I'm not sending my kids to no more schools in East Baton Rouge Parish, we're going to figure it out. People we do right. Yeah, they do. And they do, but I'm saying if, if it could be, if it was like in the masses and like sure. everybody did yeah, it, you right. wouldn't have a position on the board because there would be no schools. Right. So I think that a lot of people get a, so much self-interest that they forget about the students who we're serving. And at the sure. end of the day, those are the students who should be a priority. Right. I don't care if they live on uh, Rosenwald or if they live off of Highland Road. Sure. Those are the students inside of EBR schools. And I could have said the, the argument too, that has been nice. used for so long <laughs> is that... Uh, well, you can't make it a racial issue yeah. because 85 to 90 percent of your school district are African-American students. And I always tell them, yeah, you know what? It is. That's correct. It's not about the race anymore. What it is about, though, it is about communities. If you go look at any affluent community around East Baton Rouge Parish, I can guarantee you the schools within that area are going to be high performing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to communities that have that are you know deemed as disadvantaged or uh, uh, trouble communities, those schools are going to be you're going to be more prone to finding low performance schools in those areas or Maybe. higher pro- priority schools in those areas. Here's the thing: most of the kids in the public school system here are African American kids. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from that, right? How the hell you won't make it racial? Exactly. It's, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> uh, look, look, my my my, my thing Good with my, my thing with issues, politics aside, is I like to deal with reality and the truth. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are both Democrat and Republican. Mm-hmm. I don't hate people because of what they believe, because nobody has to agree mm-hmm. with me on everything. Just as long as you don't expect me to mm-hmm. agree with you on everything. Mm-hmm. But most of the kids are black. Yeah, but this is and many of them come from tough situations, and you have to account for that. That doesn't mean you do it at the detriment right. of any other child. Right. That's a, that's such an antiquated way of looking at it. But wait, wait, but you have to look at where it. the kids are hurting. You have to look at where the kids need. So if I if you came in and you had lunch, mm-hmm. you had eaten already, right. and I haven't eaten today, mm-hmm. and we go into a place and somebody is 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 has food to offer, mm-hmm. and I hadn't eaten, I'm gonna get a plate. And they say we have dessert too. Well, hell, you might jump right to dessert because mm-hmm. you had lunch already. Exactly. And that's kind of <laughs> what I'm talking about. Everybody can have something. It's just based upon what you require mm-hmm. and what you need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. But I'm glad you brought that point up because you have certain board members that feel as though Tremel and myself, we tiptoe on racial lines. But it's like, how well, what do the you... Hell? What? Okay, you got to explain that to me. Right, right. So, so they... um, and just so Darius was making a point and I'm going to just hop in but um a lot of the things that we deal with um first of all for the particular communities we serve in addition to the entire district is predominantly african-american communities right and so a lot of issues that again are not priority to priorities to others or priorities to us and it affects african-american in your district in our district so but the thing about it is we are not saying that a student at Woodlawn should not have access to programs and X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, and Z. But we're also saying that a student at Woodlawn should not get more opportunity than a student at Glen Oaks. Exactly. Period. Sure. That, that, but, that's, but see, this is the thing that frustrates me about that kind of thing. That is such an obvious, okay kind of statement to make. As it should be, but, but it's but, not. But you got to understand from the public standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because you guys are you guys are standing right next to the light, and so many people don't walk. I'll I'll actually sit and watch school board meetings. Mm-hmm. It's good, entertaining. It's better than Netflix sometimes, <laughs> and 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 you'll see it in context. But for the average person with their life, they don't know, man. Mm-hmm. They they most people know the school system is predominantly African American and its student constituency, but they don't know the ins mm-hmm. and outs of what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I wanted to have a conversation to, to take our time and talk through this. And my my watch is trying to jump into the conversation too, but back to what you were saying. And I asked the question earlier. You guys are on the board now. Mm-hmm. How do you come to a place where you can sit down in a room and say, "Look, this is not about hurting one child mm-hmm. to help another child. Mm-hmm. This is about addressing children fairly." And in some cases, some kids require more because of circumstances and environments because of others. Mm -hmm. That's not trying to hurt the other child. That's just common sense. Well, first, how do we get there? The first thing, the first way we get there is awareness. So I think that for so long, like um, P 
people have become frustrated, so they just stop making people aware of the issues. Sure. So I think that one of the first things that we have to do is just make them aware. And just with the, with the 8% cut across the board that we discussed, we made them aware of how inequitable that particular decision would have been. Based to, on what you said earlier. Based on what I said earlier. And so like that's one of the things. One of the other things that we are pushing for is a dialogue on race. This board over the last... I don't now, know. Wait a minute. Now, what, what do you mean a dialogue on race? Like a real true dialogue that talks about implicit bias and talk about that ain't uh, going to help your cause with this school board. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, 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 it needs to be a start because right. a lot of the things start for it's Man, a start. I think y'all need to do that on your own time. That ain't going to help you with this board. <laughs> well, the way this thing is working right mm-hmm. now, how does that help you get closer to doing what you need to do? Hmm. Well, it, it's a conversation because, again, it, man, have a conversation <laughs> at a bar. But that y'all got bigger stuff to do. Uh, a conversation <laughs> at the bar is not going to um, go in the direction that was beneficial to our students. I, I agree. I <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> that was good. I agree. I agree. But I don't think that. I just don't think that's a real place. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Now y'all are on the board. I am not. Well, I'm telling you, it's it's a real place for this board. Definitely. You think so? Absolutely. So Point the things that you see on camera are not how they reflect and happen in real time whenever we're not inside of that boardroom do enlighten me oh man it's it's uh i'll give you one story right now uh after one vote uh one of my board members came up to me and he told me that my vote was irresponsible yes he walked up to me while i was in the middle of a conversation with someone else and he told me that my vote was irresponsible and that i had a right to do x y and z what i told him was was that you're going to tell me that the vote that I was elected to give on behalf of my constituents. The vote that I'm voting with my heart and my conscience is irresponsible. I think it is irresponsible to tell another board member how they should vote, especially if you are dealing or you are a part of our leadership. Right. Uh, but that just tells you where we are as a board. And I'm the type of person that I am. I'm very frank. I'm very candid because Can I think you say that's what, what you have the to vote be. was was about the the riffs about the riffs. Okay. Which you know it's a it's a hot topic issue. It but is. for myself. The very thing that I told people, and I think it's Tramel too, not even think, but I know Tramel said the same thing, is that we're not going to do things the way we've seen it done in the past. We're not going to just approve something just because someone said to do it. We're going to approve it with a plan and with absolute fidelity across the board. Because if you don't have a plan, we don't know where we're going. What do you want from from that plan? What do y'all want from from that? And then we kind of we're going to jump to that and then go backwards. But what do y'all what do you want to see from that plan? Well, so, I think oh, we, okay. we I think we accomplished one thing, and we want to, we want to make sure that it is done completely. Okay. Uh, one of the things I think Tremel hit on earlier was that we talked about low, our lower performing schools. How you do how you want to do eight percent cuts, and those schools cannot afford to do that. Um, from those conversations and so much pushback that we have been given on the board, mm-hmm. uh, those cuts were taken off were taken off completely. So they said they're not going to touch our lower performing schools with these budget reductions that was a win i think mm-hmm. for those schools yeah um however we don't know how that's going to play out because those things could change which is why i was really skeptical about going ahead or approving a riff when i don't know where these cuts are going to come from you have too much uncertainty right now and i think we did we, we picked the wrong time to do it you have teachers getting ready to prepare their students for testing um we're at the end of the school year uh teachers are going to have so much uncertainty on their mind i don't know if i'm going to lose my job and this has been the talk all around town is what's going on with our school system uh how could they do us like this we haven't even received any raises we've been uh we took pay freezes we showed this district that we have been committed to them time and time again yet we haven't gotten anything at the end of the day uh, we're still underpaid regionally and nationally you know where do we get from this uh why do we deserve this? Uh, why should we even stay in this district? I mean, I can tell you right now, there was one school leader that called me from a charter school, and she said, our applications 
flew through the roof the day that the next day that that riff went into effect when they voted for it. And those are the types of things we're talking about. You know, even if you do say you're going to approve it, let's communicate with the public. Let's give them that awareness and give them that due diligence to say that we have done everything possible before we have uh, met it, met a point where we have to go through with a reduction in force. And I think that's only fair. Um, and so for me, that's kind of similar to what I feel about the riff. Um, all I all I really requested was that we have three different options to mm-hmm. what would happen if a riff was to ha- occur. So option one, this is where we're going to start the cut set. This is where we're going to start the layoff set. Option two versus option three. Um, and, but to just approve these blanketed plans with no real strategy and it's going to happen within the next couple of months, I think now, it's I have to ask a question. How do y'all know that there is not a strategy? Well, I mean... Th- as as the superintendent who is in charge of leading this district, who makes a lot of money, a lot of money, almost more than the president of the United States, it is your your job, in my opinion, to um, lay out your vision for your board members. Mm-hmm. Well, you are our only employee, mm-hmm. and I mean, at the bare minimum, I think that you lay out a board to the a plan to the board members to where we feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying to our teachers, to our constituency, that we're going to approve a roof that could potentially cost them to lose jobs Mm -hmm. and so like I just think that that's a responsibility and so going into that meeting I had no clear vision of what a RIF would look like just like I had no clear vision of what our alternative redesign program Mm -hmm. looked like which is why I voted against that as well so all I'm asking really as a board member is for a clear vision around some of these tough decisions that we're going to make and that I mean as a collective, we're going to have to make some really tough decisions, right. some decisions that are going to make people really mad, but at least give me the vision to be able to communicate to my constituency about why we're doing certain things and kind of like getting their feedback about, you know, decisions that have to be made. So mm-hmm. that's why I will continue to operate as a board member. Um, and I just think that it's only fair to me, to the students, to the constituency, and to this parish, into this district. Do you, if, if there was... So did y'all have any conversations with Superintendent Drake about what his plan was going to look like before it was presented to the board? Well, we never received one, which was... Well, did y'all have any... Com- so did y'all have any conversation about it? Yeah, so the, from my understanding, the board had known about the budget Oh yeah, since they, last year. Yeah, that, that there were going to have to be... There was going to exactly. be something done to address it. So with that being said, again, those communications should have been happening way before time, way before we even got to the point where we okay. said we were going to say, let's go through with this riff or this reduction in force. Because the thing about it that really, really not only ticks me off, but also ticks people off is the fact that a year prior to us saying that we were going to introduce a riff, and just for context, there have been riffs approved in the past mm-hmm. where there was not oh, yeah. layoffs needed. Yeah. But just for a sake of context, for the last year, we've been parading around this tax plan that would talk for proposition three that dealt with teacher salaries <laughs> or two or three I don't get the numbers confused but the proposition that dealt with salaries about how we're going getting ready to give teachers increases and and we're submitting resolutions to the state mm-hmm. and the legislators to talk about how we want to support Governor Jindal's increase in mm-hmm. teacher pay and then we're going to improve mm-hmm. a riff that talks about layoffs so like really the transparency and the context of that is just really crazy to me and then also this idea that we're at a this deficit um we didn't just get to this deficit overnight Mm -hmm. and the teachers were not the cause of this deficit so to think that that's the first place that we're looking to fix the problem where would you cut central Uh, office central central office east baton rouge is so top top heavy so because you're gonna have a lot of people saying nodding at 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 their whatever they're listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. on about central office Mm -hmm. What aspect have of that 
have you heard since this discussion has started in the, in the last couple, three weeks about central office versus the classrooms? Well, based on projected cuts, we've seen that they there are going to be cuts at central office. However, those cuts are significantly lower than what would come from our schools, which and, I think and, is completely unfair. Because con- Can you say in context what it is? or, or like? It, it I want to say we're cutting about, uh, what was it? I want to say about uh, 18 to 20% from, from our classrooms. I mean, from all schools combined. That's not individual schools, but that's all school com- schools Across combined. And it may be about, I'd say, I want to say uh, 8 to maybe 11% from central office. Even though that's where your higher salaries are, mm-hmm. uh, are coming from. But again, n- nobody's talking about that. Right. And even when, again, as I, sto- as I spoke on this earlier, we talked about our teachers taking a, th- a three-year pay freeze. No one in central office took a pay freeze. In fact, they were still c- collecting raises, which again, I think is completely absurd when you start say- when you turn to teachers and say, okay, we have to lay you off now. It's gonna be possible lay off. Have y'all talked about that, that aspect of this as a board? Yeah. Uh, Separately but- from board meetings, like in, in- in conversations about what yeah, he just said, we, we've talked about it. Um, we've been on a couple of things that, um, and, and there's it just there's examples and data across the world that, that that basically state that thriving school districts are not central office heavy. Mm-hmm. They're not. I think. I mean, I, I, don't quote me on this, but I think we operate as something ridiculous like a seventy five percent central office. So the majority of our money, um, they will tell you that the majority of our money is coming from like teacher pays. But like when you look at the numbers and the zeros in the bank. Mm-hmm. The people in central office are making the most money. And what I also think it does is it's pushing away resources from inside of our classrooms. I'm not saying that our staff does not do a good job, a great job. There are people in that office that do a phenomenal job. Absolutely. But there are also ways that we can cut and consolidate services. Just like we talk about closing and consolidating schools, Mm -hmm. we can close and consolidate services inside of our central office. For instance? um, for instance, um, I think we just had a Lean Frog report. There are about 25% or some number like that. Again, don't quote me on these numbers. I'll get them to you. But 25% of our central office staff is el- in leadership is eligible for retirement. Yes. So it's like we literally are like, I mean, what are we doing? So like, I think that we have... Sometimes you have offices where secretaries have secretaries. Like It's a lot of duplicated services within within central office and so some people might not like that but i mean that's what it is and that's that's the truth if you walk in central office you can see that we spend a lot of a lot of time um on waste and um some things i believe that for instance and this is another hot topic our airmore contract it was supposed to be something that saved us money but it to me we're spending a lot of money that we shouldn't be spending in that particular arena um so i mean there should be some cuts that start from like the top of what we're doing as a district and i mean people could just look at the numbers and and i'm hoping that when we have these budget conversations we'll get a more of a transparent idea of what our budget looks like so that we can really talk about and be very intentional about the things that we need to cut. And I think, what Jermail, just to, to piggyback on something that he said, when you, when you talk about contracts, again, coming back to Aramark, you have a company like Aramark that makes a, a huge sum of money from our school district, which would actually save us a lot of money if we did decide to, to dissolve that contract. Um, but they are also subcontracting services? services out. What would you do with the services? They're, so they're already subcontracting the services out, meaning that we already have a workforce that are from the community that have the resources and they can get the job done already. Uh, but uh, we we're still sub, we're still contracting with a company like Aramark. 
even though we have people that can do the job for much less than what we're paying them. Those are the types of things that we should be looking at before we look at a class. I mean, because I mean, just and I mean, I'm just going to be go ahead and be open and honest about that particular contract. These particular people that you're talking about, they had a bid um, in this particular um, procurement process that would have beat Airmark. Airmark um, kind of got with them and made a few promises, and they pulled their bid from the particular procurement process based on those promises. based off of those promises, and maybe a partnership that they would give them business if they got the if contract. they got the contract. And so, but in all aspects, Airmark has not um, sealed their end of the deal on that. Yeah. And so, I mean, we have to have these real conversations and stop trying to act like we got all about <clears throat> got got our stuff together when we're facing all of these budgetary deficits and like continuous deficits. Mm-hmm. Like, so if, if we have it all together, we wouldn't be in this predicament. Mm-hmm. So something has to change. There has to be a, a dramatic shift in certain areas of the way we operate as a district so that we can see growth in our students. And I mean, that's point blank and period. When, when are y'all going to be addressing that again? Which one? The, Which is the, the budgetary issue. Uh, so that'll be coming up again uh, really May. before uh, we, because we have until July 1st to, uh, to, so the, the May beginning board of the fiscal meeting. year. The May uh-huh. board meeting, May so, and June. Um, so I, I want to I get y'all to come back before, the, before that board meeting mm-hmm. because, you know, one of the things that, that we're able to do here is talk and people, whether they agree or disagree with you, they get to hear how you really think about mm-hmm. these issues. And, and really talk about that. You know, I think you you both would agree with me that the public has an understanding that there is a deficit deficit and you have to make cuts. But some of the minutia, people have lives and, and, and they don't follow all the mm-hmm. details of how all of that works. Mm-hmm. The district as it stands right now, Tramel and I, again, we were talking earlier and I talked about how Baton Rouge is in such a, a different place in the next mm-hmm. 10 years are going to determine so much about this region of Louisiana. And this is at the core of it. Mm-hmm. The St. George movement started over a fight over schools. Mm-hmm. And we are at a place now where we're on the brink of another city in East Baton Rouge Parish, which will have an impact on the EBR school system because I think all three of us in this room can agree that, you know, if and when that happens, the next thing is going to be one of the next things is going to be school a system. school district. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so all of this changes, mm-hmm. and there is perspective about it. You know, I, I, I don't want, you guys have had more information about some things than I expected, so I'm not even going to go back to ITAP because that was so far along, so far away. So I'll just end because we've been talking almost an hour with one final question. Well, two final questions for you. One, what are your individual visions for the district as a whole? And what, what would you say individually is the one biggest tallest challenge that is in the district's way and we'll start with you this time okay uh so first question get yeah, your you know your vision for the district and then again the second one is what's the biggest challenge um i'll say my biggest or my vision for the district uh, is that uh we prioritize equity all the way across the board and you know some people don't understand what equity is um equity is unlike equality equity means that you place resources where there is a need, not where there's a want. And that's more or less what equality is, is trying to make things equal, because you want them to to be on a level playing field. Whereas equity, you have a certain level of people that are playing down here and other people that are playing up here, and there's no chance of them ever uh, meeting in the middle. Uh, I think our school system has operated um, using an equitable model for far too long, and now it's placed us where we are now. 
where we have a slew of charters. And again, I am pro education. I'm not someone that's against charter schools. I believe that parents. Yeah, I don't has hate the charters right. either. We talked about that earlier. I don't hate charters. Right. I just, I just, I would like them to be reputable and honest and actually Absolutely. doing right by the kids. Absolutely. But I have no problem with charters. And I think that's what got us in the situation we have now, where we have a slew of charters because we. Certain people felt as though we did not have a quality of schools, which we don't have in certain areas of town. Um, and because we are not handling things with a sense of uh, our approach of where we use equity, uh, that's where we are now. And you can apply that all the way across the board, not just in school board. You can apply that uh, is with, with our city council or with our city government. This has been something that's been long standing in East Baton Rouge Parish, and you have to be mindful because a lot of people don't know uh, we had the longest standing desegregation order in yeah. the country, yeah. which I think says a lot about our school system. We have a lot of things that have to change since the desegregation order has been lifted. We have begun to reverse a lot of the things that we've been doing. One of which we're not supposed to duplicate magnet programs because they're supposed to attract students that would not regularly come to those schools. Now we're duplicating programs all across the board. Scotlandville now has uh, uh, Woodlawn now has the same program that Scotlandville had. When you look at the facilities of Woodlawn and the teachers you have there, and then you look at Scotlandville, which has not received those same resources, where are parents going to pick to send their child? Well, so, Woodlawn is, is, is uh, that building is less than 10 years old, I yes. believe. The facility is less than 10 years yes. old, I believe. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It is. It's, it's a beautiful place. But when you look at the tax plan, which a lot of people felt like they were bamboozled about, Scotlandville only got money for the athletics. They didn't get any money to rebuild that school or put any type of work into remodeling that school. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, again, prioritization. Hmm. Look where Scotlandville is and then look where Woodlawn is. We can also compare other schools. You can look at Glen Oaks High School and then look at uh, Lee High School. Lee High School now has the same medical medical magnet program that Glen Oaks High School has. Not only that, they now have LSU professors teaching those programs. It's a direct feeder for LSU, and they have a biomedical facility. Glen Oaks High School has had their medical magnet program longer. They have produced more nurses and medical professionals than any other school in our parish, yet we have no resources to justify us not receiving anything. We only received uh, from our school board, uh, la when was this, this is, uh, last year, we only received $11 million to rebuild after the flood, after 80% of the school was damaged. Only $11 million. That's not equitable at all. I will say one thing about, about that and, and agree but disagree with you. I believe that equity is earned. Mm -hmm. I believe it's earned, not given. Mm -hmm. I believe every child earns a right to a good education just by being alive. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I do think you're right. I do think children ought to receive an equal opportunity to live whatever dream they have mm -hmm. starting in schools. Is that fair? I think it's fair, but this is what I will also say, which a lot of people don't know. Uh, Glenos High School was uh, supposed to be rebuilt back in 2003. We were passed up for Woodlawn because Woodlawn, it came out they were built on a fault line, so they relocated the school they did. and they rebuilt it. And then fast forward, what, uh, 14 years later, the only reason why we were, rebu were rebuilt was because we were flooded by the storm. So we were supposed to be rebuilt 14 years ahead of time, but we were not. We were taken off that list and never put back on. Since that time, we've already had, we had uh, two tax plans that rebuilt facilities. Glenos High School was never placed back on there. So in that instance, I would say that that school earned the right to be rebuilt because they fought, they waited, and that community deserves it. Kids shouldn't have had to wait, though. And I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Have to wait. Same questions. 
Um, so for me, I think that I my vision is that every school or every student will go to a school that has high quality instruction, high quality programming in a high quality facility that is um, feasible for learning. Mm -hmm. um, I think that those are just the three highs that we all want to see for kids. Sure. And all of those kids with those three things implemented will have access to opportunity and career or profession that they desire. So whether it's as a trade or whether mm -hmm. that's being a lawyer, a doctor, kids should have access to those particular programs. Yep. Um, I think for me, the biggest hurdle in that is that unfortunately in Baton Rouge, there there has to be a lot of mind shift changes in the sense of how we approach education. And I think that for so long, we've been able to isolate groups of people. And like I said earlier, the have continues to have and the have nots continue to have less. And we're OK with that. So I think that we have to, as a community, find a way to get to the ground where we we, we want the haves to have as well and the half nots to con to get on the equal playing field. Yeah. Um playing field. So I think that's our biggest hurdle. Um but I believe in this district. That's why I ran for office. I mm -hmm. believe in our, our our potential and I believe that we can tap into that potential with the right people just coming together fighting for making kids our number one priority. You know one of the things I noticed, gentlemen, about with with what you're saying and in even in four months, you guys are, are very immersed into what you're doing is what you just said about the, the the realities and I think that there is such a perspective chasm and you know we've been doing these these canvases we call them where we walk in in poor communities with a conglomeration of people business clergy law enforcement just all kinds of people who come out and I've had more people who would never say drive through Dixie mm -hmm. or uh, walk through Scotlandville or go through, you know, Glen Oaks, mm -hmm. you know, and walk through these areas and see these children and then talk to the people mm -hmm. and had all these preconceived notions, people, mm -hmm. friends that admitted it to me that their perspectives were a hundred percent wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that's missing is if you don't see it, you can't really know mm -hmm. what it's like. And I just encourage people who care about the district or who are the loudest critics of the district to actually just go visit one of these schools. Just an hour. Or when we're doing these canvases, come out with us. Nobody's going to bite you, but if, you, if you're afraid, come out. We got a lot of mm -hmm. law enforcement out there and you'll see that people are people. And, and, and I just think that these, the kids who live in the hardest hit parts of this community and any community deserve as much of a right to living their dreams through an education as anybody else. Absolutely. And I just think that that's just fair. And that's just a, that's just a people thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just the right thing to do. So, uh, man, y'all have energy. Anything else y'all wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say today? Um, I think you hit the hammer right on the head though. Uh, I think the biggest difference, what we find, what we always see, uh, you know, when you look at countries, that may, be, that may be deemed as third world countries. When you see them on TV, you know, you really can't go to those areas uh, or you may not have as much access to go to those areas and see how they really are. Yeah. In East Baton Rouge Parish and Baton Rouge, uh, it's a 20 minute drive on the other side of town. <laughs> so it doesn't take much even. for yeah. us to go and see how right. these areas really are. Mm -hmm. You know, much of Glen Oaks is actually suburban, but mm -hmm. some people don't realize that because mm -hmm. of the small fractions of crime that you may see and, you know, sporadically throughout the area, which you'll find all throughout the city, but because Glen Oaks sure is attached. Enough. Downtown uh, too. Yeah, downtown area too, uh, which I mean, man, homelessness right now is something we definitely need to get in front yeah. of. 
Uh, although it's not a schoolboy related issue, but still, uh, it's a man, people issue. It really is. It really is. But still, like you said, downtown. It's when you go into those worlds and you see those different perspectives and you meet those people and you talk to those people. They're not bad people. They just fell on hard times. Right. Some hardships, and it everybody goes anybody, through it. Man. Right. And if you know, it could happen to anybody. Well, thank you, gentlemen. As we record this, you're get you're rushing out of here to go to a baseball game. Don't get a ticket. Yeah, I will. Uh, I won't get a ticket. Um, congratulations to the Southern University baseball team on our great win last night. Yes, we have to highlight that <laughs> number eight team in the country. Uh, I just want to talk let about that it, out baby. There. <laughs> <laughs> He's tap dancing. He was talking about that when we were in here earlier. It was such such a great sight, man. I know we about to get ready to close it out, but man, I just gotta. I have to say to Jaguar Nation that everybody that came out, even uh, Tiger Nation, it was such a beautiful sight to see everybody out there just rooting each other on, yeah, even though man. you know LSU walked away with the L. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, it was just a great sight. In uh, any uh, given um, uh, baseball game, come out and come check us out. The Country Kitchen tailgating crew will be out there, <laughs> and we are cooking it up. We're balling. We're doing everything, and we invite everybody. Free food, bring your families, and just come have some fun. Thanks for the opportunity, Glenn. (laughs) Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get the Waiting Room podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is The Clay Young Show. You know, some people would consider them both those young guys controversial i don't know it's the nature of politics now is it kind of makes you look the other way because everything rises to the level of outright disgust and outright offense and everything it's like you you, you're either happy or you're absolutely devastated and it's like how can people be mentally healthy if those are your only two options And specifically as it relates to agreeing and disagreeing on things, you know, I didn't agree with everything that they said, and I talked about that, but I agreed with a lot of what they said, specifically about 
how you can't look at two schools with different realities and treat them financially the same way. And if that doesn't make sense, you know, these old buildings that take so much more money to heat and cool versus these newer buildings with newer, more efficient technology or a school in a part of town that the kids have the good fortune of coming from more stable households where there are two parents there and there is some disposable income versus kids who come from tougher parts of town where there's barely anyone looking out for them. And it's harder to get them to follow through on what they need to do at home because of whatever is happening at the house. Resources there need to be greater. And I don't really think that's a controversial statement. It's, it's common sense. And I think as soon as we can get to a place where we're talking specifically about how that works, in, in my opinion, I think it'll be hard to get a lot of things done. As it relates to what Tramel was saying about having a dialogue on race, I think he is well-intentioned. I just, and, and I know this is pessimistic to say, I just don't have a lot of confidence that those things often turn out the way that one would hope they would turn out. And if you, if you are somebody who's of constructive thought, you're hoping that it ends with a better, a better understanding. And I just have rarely ever seen them go that way. I think those kinds of dialogues are almost always best in small, small groups of people. And when I say small, small groups, two to four, having an, a real honest conversation where everyone agrees, okay, you know, let's say what we really think, let's agree not to take it personally, but let's get it all out there and then listen to one another. And, you know, that's always, that's always difficult. And you know, and the other thing I mentioned is about the, the districts and the way representatives in districts are fighting for their specific districts. And, and I, I used Jill Dyson as an example. She's because her, her district does have more affluent families who don't have many of their kids in public school versus one of the poorer districts. Well, the people in that district are expecting her to fight for her district, just like Darius and Tramel have people asking them to fight for their district. One thing that he did say that I have to concede is is the really overarching point. He's absolutely right about that. But it, 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 then again, it has to come back to the entire district because they're all looking out for children. So. I enjoyed the conversation, and, and I hope you did too. It was, it was pretty long, but I think it was worth it. Whether you, again, whether this gives you a different perspective on them or if you came into this liking them and gave you more reasons to like them, if you dislike them, then hopefully, I don't know. I, I, personally, I don't, I don't see how you, you, you dislike. I mean, having interacted with either one of them, I don't know how you can personally dislike either one of them, but it's politics, and people don't always agree on everything. But listen, I appreciate your patience. Uh, we're going to be off next week, a delay hiatus for Easter. Happy Easter to all of you, uh, those who celebrate Easter, and enjoy the week. Hopefully you get some time to spend with your family or maybe some time just working on self. But either way, we're going to be off for a week, and then we return with episode 200 of The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.